Doctor, is showtime! All right, ladies, buckle up. It's showtime. Here's the 1-1. One, one. That ball's hit well. Out into right field. It is out of here! Showtime! All right, got a sports clip in there for you today. That's not from a movie. That is a real live sports clip. I know, I work at a radio station. I work at a sports talk radio station, so those kind of clips are pretty easy to come by. That one is courtesy of KLAA, the Los Angeles Angels radio station from last night, actually. And the uh, Angels played the Yankees. They did lose to the Yankees, but... Well, I thought it was appropriate because the Angels have this new phenom. He can hit, he can pitch, and his name is Shohei Otani. Shohei, as they say. My name is Shoebe. His name is Shohei. Shohei Otani. And people say it all the time at work, and it drives me nuts. So I thought, why not embrace it? The Angels actually use a It's Showtime or just a show, hashtag S-H-O-T-I-M-E, Showtime. I'm okay with that. It seems to maybe maybe some of you are listening to this thinking, hey, maybe they're going to talk about some angels stuff. No, we're not going to talk about any more angels other than we are doing right now. Maybe occasionally if Shohei Otani does something cool around the recording of the podcast, you know, if he does something cool, we'll put it in there. But uh, I know I've taken a long time to get to the intro. You are listening, of course, to the Showtime movie podcast. I'm Show. Thank you for listening. And uh, this week, we're going to be doing something special. I don't know if you remember, we've done it a few times. Star Wars The Last Jedi got its own movie episode discussion Of course, Black Panther did because I really enjoyed that movie and it was a very unique film. And you know what? Marvel's latest, Disney's latest, Avengers, the Infinity War, you know, that's going to get its own episode today. So that's all we're doing today. We're just talking Avengers, the things happening in it, and some other, maybe some ranking of some movies, which is actually where we're going to start. We're going to start with some rankings of the various Marvel movies. Before we get into the rankings, though, I just want to say really quickly, there will be no spoilers in the first part of the Avengers Infinity War review, okay? No spoilers in that part. You guys know that when I intro things, like when we get to the rankings in a sec, we'll have some music, right? And we do the same thing for all all the movie segments. Something fun, just to kind of set the mood a little bit, right? Something usually from the movie. So when we get to the spoilery part of the Avengers Infinity War review, we will have a different musical cue just for you guys. If you want to listen to the episode before going to see the movie and getting some ideas of what to look out for that have nothing to do with spoilers, then you can listen to the first half that starts with the regular Avengers theme song music. But uh, after that, we'll have something completely different for the second half. Towards the end of the podcast, we'll talk a little more spoilers, get a little more in-depth onto what to expect from the second one, what the ending means, so on and so forth. But just want to reiterate one last time, no spoilers in the first part of the Avengers Infinity War review, okay? So with that in mind, let's get into those rankings that I mentioned before, the rankings, of course, of all the Marvel Studio movies to date. rankings on pretty much anything, whether it's food, you know, places to visit, 
favorite teams, best players, anything. And now, obviously, movies, books, video games, right? It's always so contentious. So I'm saying this because I know not everyone will agree with my rankings, certainly. I mean, I think these are pretty fair, I think. And I guess I should preface things by saying I'm not ranking them like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, so on and so forth. I'm, I'm kind of doing it in tiers because I often go back and forth on what I feel is my favorite, what is the best. Of course, those two things not necessarily the same. But when you put things into tiers, I feel like that makes it easier to say, yeah, I, I agree that film X deserves to be in tier one while film Y deserves to be in tier two and film Z deserves to be in tier three, right? I think that's an easier way of coming to a consensus because there are some movies where the difference in how good they are, quote unquote, is so small. And of course they can be good in different ways. They can be bad in different ways. I figure the tiering system is a fair way to start things off. Of course, in The Marvel movie universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, MCU as it's called, the uh, movies have been coming out since 2008. And 2008 started with Iron Man, of course. Then we got the Captain America movie, the Thor movie. We got Iron Man. I think Iron Man 2 came out. I know, correcting myself mid-sentence here, right? I think Iron Man 2 came out before the Avengers, and then I think after those four movies, I believe, Iron Man 1, 2, Captain America 1, Thor 1, then it was the first Avengers movie, that was kind of phase one, right? And that was when we got to see uh, Loki, after we got already had met him in Thor, and then it kind of went from there, right? And it kind of just expanded and expanded and expanded to the point where we are now, Avengers 3, and we've gotten so many good stories in between, some kind of mediocre ones. But I think for the by and large, I think the Marvel Studio movies have been pretty good. So in that sense, I want to get into the tiering system. So tier one, I think these are the best movies the Marvel Universe has to offer, right? My a personal opinion is that Iron Man, to back in 2008, even though the Marvel Universe has come a long way, Iron Man is in tier one for me. I don't know that it leads tier one, but it's my personal favorite, and I still think it holds up in terms of the characterization. Gwyneth Paltrow is really great. We get to, we get introduced into the smarmy, quippy Tony Stark that Robert Downey Jr. brought to life back ten years ago, which is crazy to think about. I remember I saw that movie uh, when I was before I went to university. I saw that movie, which is crazy. That is that is nuts. I've been out of university for five years now. And I, this is out, that was before I even was in university ever at all, which is crazy to me, right? So, anyway, so Iron Man, I think, deserves to be in Tier 1. Uh, the other movies in Tier 1, in my opinion, are The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Avengers, Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther. Those are the movies I think should be in Tier 1. And I think they're all in there for different reasons, right? I think, while I said Iron Man is my favorite, I think the best Marvel movie to date, and this includes Infinity War, the best Marvel movie to date is Captain America Winter Soldier. And I think it's really cool because, of course, The Winter Soldier is directed by the Russo brothers, who, of course, directed Civil War and Infinity War, which we'll get to in a little while. But it's just... And I, I, I hate saying, oh, it's really a spy movie. It's not. It's a superhero movie like the rest of them are. It just has some fun parts that are just not in other Marvel movies, right? We got Robert Redford doing a great kind of evil... CEO kind of role, evil head of a spy agency role kind of thing, right, that we've seen in movies before. It just is so evocative of the spy movies, spy thrillers that you see in, like, for real, I guess, right, but with a superhero twist almost. And it was so, it was so much fun, yet 
it still had some gritty parts, had some great acting. Chris Evans, of course, doesn't really do much acting when you get Captain America. He just stands there and goes, yes, I am Captain America, Boy Scout of the World. <laughs> uh, I hope you like my impression there. But yes, I guess it wasn't super great acting-wise, apart from Robert Redford, but it's still cool, I think, in that sense, and it, it really moves the Marvel Universe in a way with the whole Hydra still alive thing. The talking computer with the Doctor from the first Captain America is a bit schlocky, I think, but I guess it's the most... I guess, on the other hand, I call it schlocky. Maybe you might call it the most comic book moments of that film in a movie that not lacks comic book moments, certainly, but cer- is certainly a little more grounded. I mean, grounded for a superhero movie, where, you know, where the movie ends with flying helicarriers being blown up and, you know, talking computers and so on and so forth. But it was it was still a pretty great movie. Uh, I think it's the best one so far. And I think it's just a unique look at the Captain America story. We got some great action scenes, you know, the fight in the elevator, always pretty fun. Um, I should say before I go on to the other ones in Tier 1, to explain them a little further, I'm not going to tackle Infinity War's place in the rankings until after we do the review. So I'll, I will reveal where I put Infinity War in these tiers afterwards. So maybe it is in tier one. You know, I don't think it's as good as Winter Soldier. Maybe that's a bit of a spoiler for the review itself. But, you know, I guess not, not saying that it's not the best Mar- Marvel movie doesn't mean it's not the second best, right? So maybe it is in tier one. Maybe it's in tier two. There are four tiers, by the way. But anyways, uh, Iron Man and the Winter Soldier, those are two so far in the t- in, the, in Tier 1. Guardians of the Galaxy, I put in Tier 1 as well. It was just such a different departure for the Marvel Universe, right? It introduced us to the charismatic Chris Pratt. A lot of us saw him in Parks and Rec or in other TV shows, but it was cool to see him in the Marvel Universe. All jacked now, right? We got a, a different look at the tubby Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec, but... You know, it was just it was such a fascinating tale. Drax was came into our lives, and he was hilarious. Great kind of turn in the movies for Dave Bautista, former wrestler, right? And of course, the music. How can we forget the music? It, it kind of, I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy marks a visual and oral departure for the Marvel Universe. And I honestly think without Guardians of the Galaxy, we would not have gotten Thor Ragnarok. We would not have gotten, I mean, obviously Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but we would not have gotten those next Marvel movies, right? I think, I think they saw how pop- popular it was, and they decided to kind of put a little bit of that into the next movies. Not all of them, of course. I mean, Doctor Strange came out after that. It's not like that. But I mean, I think the Marvel Universe became a little brighter, more colorful after Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think you can attribute that to not just a characterization, not just the music, but director James Gunn. He made it funny. He made it light. And I think a lot of people enjoyed that and were surprised by it, right? I mean, the trailer, for crying out loud, had the uh, Uga Chaka song, right? I always forget. A blue Velvet, I think they're called. <laughs> Velvet Under... <laughs> I, I forget. Uh, but the... Uh, you know that that trailer where you had to you had introduced to them was so kind of irreverent and people people really liked it. I really liked it. I mean, it became the friggin' Blue Jays kind of rally song, hooked on a feeling. Uh, you know, towards the end of that season, uh, the year after the movie came out. I, I don't not that I want to attribute it solely to Guardians of the Galaxy because of course that move that song was so stupidly popular when it came out. It's just brought it back into the limelight for a different generation. I mean, my brother is is eight years younger than I am. And he, I caught him listening to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and to the songs like Fleetwood Mac and other other bands that were before my time, certainly. But I mean, I was a little more familiar with it, thanks to my cousins who are, you know, in their 40s and stuff, right? But he's so much younger than me. He didn't really get that part of the familial experience. So it was cool to see that being brought out for him and I'm sure for many other people. So... In that sense, Guardians of the Galaxy definitely has to be in Tier 1. The the first Avengers movie is in Tier 1 for me, like I mentioned, and I think it's mainly because 
it's it was such a a feat of movie making, right? I mean, there had never really been a crossover event like that before, right? And it was just cool to see all of these famous actors, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Samuel Jackson, a whole host of really famous actors. And that had never really been done before. It was a pretty ambitious crossover attempt. And, and it was so fun. It wildly succeeded. We got that famous moment. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. And then Mark Ruffalo hulks out and destroys the like dragon robot thing, right? So it was just a lot going on in that movie, certainly. And like we'll talk about a little more, it was just uh, an opportunity for the good guys to look cool while they're just doing a whole bunch of busy stuff, right? And it had that kind of relatively famous shot. Of course, there's some cheats involved, but that famous shot of, you know, the action kind of following Avenger to Avenger to Avenger, like Thor on the building, and then we go to see Hawkeye, and it follows the arrow he shoots, and it goes to Iron Man, and then after Iron Man, it goes to Captain America, all the cool stuff like that, right? So that was pretty neat. The last two movies I would put on tier one, I'm not going to go super in-depth because I reviewed them on this podcast individually, would be Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. Those movies are just so much fun. Like I mentioned, Ragnarok is just visually inventive. The music is great. The comedy above all else is great. It's one of the funniest Marvel movies and it really reinvents the character of Thor. And Black Panther, I mean, I did a whole episode on Black Panther, so I'm not going to go too much in-depth more other than to say it's awesome, it's funny, it's moving, you feel connected to it, even if you're not black, like I, like I am not, and it's just a great visual style, kind of like Ragnarok was, but completely different. as a completely different new visual style, and it was still felt fresh. It felt fun, and of course, it had a great villain in Killmonger, right? So those are the movies in Tier 1 for me. Uh, though I, don't, I wouldn't put very many other movies in Tier 1. You could probably argue with me on some of them. I could probably relent on taking one out or putting one in. Um, I think the one I would relent on is probably Guardians of the Galaxy if you really pushed me, right? But uh, or, or maybe even the original Iron Man, but I still think for their what they represented about the Marvel Universe and what they did for future movies, I think they have to be in Tier 1, but I also really like them because they're a lot of fun. For the other tiers, I wanted to take a little more time to explain Tier 1 because those are the best movies Marvel has to offer. The other ones, I think, Tier 2, I think, is probably the one that's easy to argue that some of them could be in Tier 3 and some of them could be in Tier 1, right? That's the kind of middle one, even though there are four tiers. I think Tier 2 is the easiest one to argue with or for or against, I should say, right? The ones in Tier 2 for me are Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Doctor Strange, and Captain America, the first one. And... I think it's just because those movies are really good, but they weren't enough to push it over the top. And I think and you'll find in this in this tier, there are three intro slash solo movies, right? We got the first Spider-Man movie, the first Doctor Strange movie, and the first Captain America movie. And I think it's just that, and maybe it's because I'm ranking them now and not back when they came out, or maybe 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 there should be a ranking of all the solo movies and all the team-up movies separately, right? But... In terms of all of them together, I guess those three didn't quite hit tier one because they just, not that they weren't good, but that, but that they just felt pretty rote, right? I mean, I liked Spider-Man Homecoming because it had a fantastic villain with Michael Keaton as the vulture, and we, we thank God we did not have to endure the with great power comes great responsibility thing again, I was, I would, I would have... That would easily have dropped Spider-Man for me because we all know, we all know about Uncle Ben and Aunt May. We know about all that crap. We don't need to hear about it again, right? So thankfully, mercifully, they did not include that, which 
I think it was a great decision. We all know Spider-Man. Come on. We don't need that anymore. Doctor Strange was a, was a fun movie. Such a fun, such a fun music. Visually inventive. I know a lot of people are kind of weirdly polarized by Benedict Cumberbatch, right? He's either a great actor or he's he's a horrible actor and he looks weird, right? Which is I think is strange. I think he's a fine actor. So I, clearly I fall into that first camp, right? But I think that's clearly a movie that doesn't quite hit the highs of the Marvel top tier one movies, but it doesn't like really do anything bad. It's, it's a, has a, it's a fine movie. Rachel McAdams is in it. You know, Mads Mikkelsen is kind of a lame villain. I mean, it's not his fault. He does what he can, but I mean, he's pretty, pretty boring. Although the ending is pretty inventive with the whole Dormammu have come to bargain thing. Right. So that's why I put it in tier two and Captain America again, for the kind of the same reason Iron Man is in tier one, Captain America is a fun movie it's it's a period piece i guess if you really want to say it since like 99.9 percent of the movie takes place during world war ii and the reason it gets knocked down again as the villain honestly the red skull sucked he was he, he's such a cool villain and hugo weaving was a great choice because he's hugo weaving and is one of the best actors of his generation but i just he just sucked i i don't know like he just like, wasn't a great he wasn't scary he wasn't threatening he just like drove like a car and, and then like flew away and then they fight at the end and then then he disappears right so i guess it was just kind of that brought it down for me and i think it's also because and i, and I think this is not necessarily the movie's fault more the source material's fault because at the end of the day red skull is just another nazi i mean we've seen how many hundreds of movies that tackle nazis right even though hydra is like the special division or whatever so whatever it does not a big deal but that does bring it down in my eyes and again chris chris evans is such a boy scout or not chris evans but captain america is such a boy scout and chris evans does a great job at making him relatable and likable and everyone he's such a popular character and it's not evans's fault at all but it does i think make him a little boring for me which is why the better movies are civil war and um the Winter Soldier, right? And it's funny, right? Because then you might say, well, you are you also put Captain America three in the same tier as Captain America, and it's not, and it's for a different reason, right? Because I said the movies are good in a different ways and bad in different ways. Chris Evans is the driving force of the Civil War. He stands it for what's right, and the villain is pretty grounded in Civil War. It's just, you know, it was a little too busy at times. I almost want to call Captain America Civil War Avengers two point five because it was a way better Avengers movie than Age of Ultron, which frankly sucked and. But yet it wasn't, it didn't quite hit the highs, right? Like the airport scene, which was really cool, kind of fell out of place in this kind of politically charged in terms of, you know, it's almost like a, a movie about like guns except, and guns and like mass weapons of mass destruction, except in this case, the guns and weapons of mass destruction are super are, are unchecked superheroes and the damage they cause, you know, all over the world, right? So that's why Civil War is kind of, I, for, for me, it would probably be the top movie in tier two. I know I can't really rank the other movies, but... It would probably be the, that movie I would be, would be the one you could probably argue with me to put into tiered one. But right now it's the top one in tier two, Civil War, whereas Spider-Man Homecoming, Doctor Strange, and Captain America, the first Avenger, are in the rest of the movies in that same tier. Tier three, I'd probably go Iron Man 3, Thor 1, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, right? And I kind of already mentioned, Age of Ultron was a great movie right up until the end of the party at the end of the beginning of the movie, and then it always goes so downhill. Ultron is just too quippy. He's just not very interesting. Then we it just turns into a big beat-em-up where they just fight robots that all look the same, and James Spader is a lot of fun, but after after he becomes basically Tony Stark light, and I know that's the point of the movie, that he adopts his personality from Tony Stark, but 
that instead of Hank Pym like he does from the comics, but it was just so boring. It was it was boring, and the comedy was just unnecessary at like a lot of the times. You know, I don't know. I was I was less than thrilled with Age of Ultron and in Volume Two, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, same thing. They just un- they undercut every single moment of urgency, every single moment of drama with some moment of humor, right? Like the thing I point to all the time is the whole taser face thing, right? Rocket and Groot get captured, and so does Yondu. The three of them get captured by the like the mutinied pirate crew, Yondu's former crew, and they capture them all, and they, they're led by the head of the mutineers whose name is Taserface, and he's called Taserface because he is ugly, I guess, right? And there's a scene where the guy's like yelling in, in Rocket's face, and he's like, I am Taserface! And Rocket laughs, and he goes, Wow, you just woke up in the morning and you decided to yourself, you call yourself Taserface. And it just, that joke went on for about 15 minutes. 15 minutes. They would just not let up with that stupid ass joke. And it was funny for like 30 seconds. It was admittedly funny for 30 seconds. And then like family guy style, it just went on and 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 on. And it was, it became so not only boring, but it became tedious. And it was that kind of thing that happens at every point in that movie every point peter's in a fight his dad ego this godlike creature who betrayed him and killed his mother and it's supposed to be this dramatic moment father against son and what does peter do he summons pac-man and summons a giant avatar of pac-man to fight ego oh god like why i like I get it. They mentioned Pac-Man in the movie, so he's going to summon Pac-Man now. Like, come on. That's the classic example of too much showing and not enough telling because that was just dumb. It wasn't funny. And it just, it got to the point where every single moment, like I've already mentioned, was undercut by these kind of dumbass things, these dumbass jokes. And that really, 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 really took away from it. Yondu was pretty cool. But I mean, ultimately, all they, because they did it at every moment, if they only did it once or twice, then I could totally understand putting this in tier two. But because they did it at quite literally every conceivable moment, they could have possibly done it in, right? I know I said that kind of twice, but because they did it so often, that drops it to tier three. I'm sorry. The movie, like, it's a below average movie, Marvel wise. And if there was less humor in it and more like poignant moments, I think it would have been much higher. But unfortunately, it's not. And of course, tier four. Is uh, I think I think everyone can understand why I put these movies in tier four. Thor two, The Dark World, The Incredible Hulk, which I think most people don't even remember is a Marvel movie, and Iron Man two with Mickey Rourke as the bad guy, and of course Sam Rockwell. And you know what? I'm not even going to explain myself. Those movies suck, and you should feel bad for liking them if you do. Uh, no, I shouldn't. Maybe I, that's maybe it's a little harsh, but. They're bad movies. They're not well put together. Thor 2 is, I think, one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. Like, Christopher Eccleston is the bad guy in that movie, and he's on the screen for, like, 15 total minutes, and then the movie just ends, and you're kind of thinking, oh, okay, I guess I guess the movie's done now. And same, same with The Incredible Hulk, and, of course, that movie's also wildly forgettable because Edward Norton is the Hulk, and, of course, he got recast. And Iron Man 2, Mickey Rourke, like, this guy can make an arc reactor, and he decided to make whips, Right? Or like there's a scene where he, he walks onto the race course, he's chops Iron Man's car in half or whatever, and then John Favreau is happy, ru- like hundred and twenty miles an hour crashes into him with his like Mercedes Benz, and this guy who's not wearing a single shred of clothing from the waist up is completely fine. <laughs> it was just kind of dumb. I thought that movie everything about that movie was dumb. I don't know. Those movies deserve to be if there was a tier Z, I'd put them in that one, but uh, unfortunately there's not. There's only four tiers, right? So 
that's where I stand on the Marvel movies. I, I would love to hear feedback on it. If you guys want to get at me on Twitter, S-N-S-A-L-L-I, S-N-S Alley. You know, I'd love to hear for what you think where, where your movie rankings would be. If, you know, maybe Captain America Civil War deserves to be in Tier 1. Maybe Iron Man deserves to be in Tier 2. Maybe, maybe you feel Guardians of the Galaxy was, in fact, funny. I disagree with you now obviously, and I will vehemently defend my decision, <laughs> but maybe you feel that's in tier one or even tier uh, or tier two or even in, in tier one, right? So I'd love to hear from you. Give me a shout. But uh, that is where I stand on the rankings. We'll get my placement of Avengers Infinity War after the review, but for now, let's go to the actual review. For now, reminder, spoiler free. <laughs> Okay, so again, this is the spoiler-free part of the Avengers Infinity War review, of course, and not that it's hard to talk about this movie without spoilers, because there are some pretty significant things that happen, and the movie ends in a relative cliffhanger, but we'll get into some of those things, obviously, with the spoilers, but without spoilers, it's pretty easy to break this movie down. It's all. It's best when the villain is on screen, and it's kind of... Not that it's bad, it's just not as good when the villain is not on the screen. And I think that's the case for a lot of movies, not necessarily just Avengers Infinity War. But I think that is, I think, the largest flaw with the movie. We'll get into that in a second. But the best, the, the, the positives, the pros of this movie, I think is what we should focus on first. And the best part, easily, is the interplay between characters, right? So we saw in the trailers that... Thor meets the Guardians, and we see later on some of the Guardians, like Star-Lord, he meets Iron Man, we see Spider-Man meeting Doctor Strange, all those things are present in the trailers. And there's obviously a lot more than that, because the movie is two hours and 40 minutes long, so obviously the characters meet early, they meet often, they meet, there's a lot of snappy dialogue between them all, right? But even in those limited interactions, like Thor with the Guardians, Star-Lord with Iron Man, Spider-Man with Doctor Strange, right? It's so much fun. Isn't that what we've been waiting for all this time? You know, it's it's just easily, easily the most fun part of the movie, apart from the action, like the actual watching them kill a bunch of creatures in general, right? This is why you and I go to see these movies, right? It, I mean, it was already fun in the first Avengers when we got to see Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor for the first time. Remember that scene when they meet in, uh, the, it was like a forest or something, and Loki is on, they like capture Loki or something, and then Thor, I actually can't remember actually what, what the sequence of events was, but it involved Thor going after Loki, and then Iron Man and Captain America kind of like meeting down there, and there's a scene where Iron Man gets down there, and of course he unleashes his quippy uh, dialogue at Thor, remember mother, does mother know doth wears to her drapes, and he, you know, they, and then they refer to Shakespeare in the park a few times, and Captain America, he gets called a Boy Scout, I think, and which he is, of course. But you know, and then we, when you see that cool moment where uh, Thor comes up with Mjolnir and like reaches down and and just lay, brings the hammer down literally on Captain America's shield, and it like wipes out the clearing, and they all kind of are at a, a stalemate kind of thing. That was really cool, right? And so Avengers: Infinity War is like that, but times a million, right? I mean, there's all, remember that next scene where, same in the first Avengers movie, where they all argue in the lab and then ends with the Hulk kind of almost hulking out and he grabs Loki's staff and then of course he later does hulk out and fights in the, uh, 
in the Hell Carrier, and the Hell Carrier almost crashes, and they get he gets ejected and stuff. The, the, the dialogue isn't quite as snappy as it was in the first Avengers movie, but like in that in that lab scene, I should say, and you can thank Joss Whedon for that little bit of fun. But the jokes are still pretty nice moments to lift you out of some really grim parts in this movie, right? I mean, you remember from the trailer where uh, Peter goes to Doctor Strange and he says. Hi, I, I, we haven't met. I'm Peter Parker. And he says, Dr. Strange. And he says, oh, we're using our made-up names. Well, in that case, I am Spider-Man. And so that that scene, even though you see it in the movie, it's still funny, you know? It's still expected, but it's still funny. And, and they kind of go on a little bit more. They kind of extend that scene a little bit more, of course. And, uh, you know, when Star-Lord meets Iron Man, when they're making a plan. And it's it's just, all of it is so much fun. That is easily the best part of the movie, and I think it's hard, it's, or I should say it's easy to take that for granted because the movie has just so many characters in it and there are so many little bits, right? There's so many little bits that I'm not going to mention in this part now because it would be a spoiler, but there are so many little parts like that, like Star-Lord talking to Iron Man, like the Thor asking the Guardians who the hell they are, like Peter saying, oh, we're using our made-up names, right? All those things are just so much fun. And that's what makes this movie great. Not the action, not just the sheer scope of the team up, but those little moments. That's what makes the movie great, in my opinion. Of course, a movie this long and this big and this ambitious, obviously it's going to have some flaws. It's not perfect. It's not the best Marvel movie. Like I said, I still think Winter Soldier, directed by these same Russo brothers, I still think Winter Soldier is better because, of course, I think it's the best Marvel movie. But the largest flaw with this movie is something that plagues all of the Marvel movies, right? And I kind of alluded to this in the first section with the rankings as well when we were talking about the first Avengers in Tier 1. But it's simply that when the main villain is not on the screen, it suffers because it just becomes kind of a regular beat-em-up, paint-by-numbers kind of movie, right? And we will get to Thanos in a second because I do have a lot to say about him, but when he's not on the screen, all we get are the Avengers blowing up legions of faceless, nameless bad guys, right? In Avengers 1... It was a Chitauri, those kind of gross-looking soldier-like aliens, right? In Avengers 2, it was robots, kind of Ultron clones. And it looks like they've cycled back to the gross-looking aliens for Avengers 3, although they're more like rabid zerglings versus like creatures that are alien soldiers, right? And I guess that's what the movie generally is, right? It, it is an excuse for the good guys to kick some ass and look incredibly cool and sexy and awesome doing it. So it's not all bad. It's just kind of wrote by now, you know? I mean, we basically see them do this in every movie, right? Iron Man 2, War Machine and Iron Man, blow up a crap ton of robots, right? In Thor 2, The Dark World, we see Thor beat up on a bunch of dark elves, right? In Age of Ultron, of course, we see the robots. In the first Avengers, we see the uh, this alien soldiers. You know, it's just it's just so boring after a certain period of time, right? And 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 even in the ones where they don't beat up legions of characters, right? They're still just like a lot of the really cool parts are just the characters killing other characters. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, one of the best parts of that movie was when Rocket and Yondu are on the ship and they play that song and Rocket uh, is shooting guys through the holes in the wall and Yondu is whistling and the, the arrow is just like killing people and you can see from the top down them wiping out like legions of people on their ship. Again, that's a cool part of that movie that we get to see Yondu and Rocket do interesting things, and it's a challenge, I think, to make scenes like that, right, that are more interesting visually than just slow-mos of them, like, 
you know, blowing up faceless bad guys. But I mean, whatever. I know that's not a real problem. It's just when you see it so many times, when you see it in every other movie for 10 years, I think it, it, I think it's a valid complaint. I, I personally feel like. But you know what? Here, I said I would talk about Thanos. And the good news is when he is on the screen, which is, you know, pretty often, he is just fantastic. Remember back in the Black Panther episode when I said I liked Killmonger and the Vulture respectively as the two best Marvel villains, and I kind of talked about them a little bit in their uh, in the tiering thing with um, tiers one and two. They're now officially two and three, respectively, because Thanos is rightfully at the top of the villain mountain for Marvel Studios. He's just fantastic. Honestly, Josh Brolin, of course, is a really great actor, and he manages to somehow get a lot of his emotions to bleed through the pretty heavy usage of CI, which surprisingly lends a lot of emotional weight to a performance that I guess a lot of people, including myself, thought would just be him blowing up a lot of crap, right? Like he blows up a building, he blows up a moon, he blows up a planet, right? And he does all these cool things, and you see all these in the trailers, and you see him just destroy a bunch of crap, and don't get me wrong, he also does that, right? It's always it's always fun to see characters blow things up. But there are some surprisingly quiet and, like, quote-unquote smaller moments in the typically grandiose ones associated with Avengers movies, right? The film actually starts with a quick meeting of Thanos. He's the first character we essentially meet. And it's nice because we've seen him so sporadically over the last several movies, and the Russo brothers waste absolutely no time showing you and me why he's so feared, right? He kicks the ass right away, and then we get right down to business with the rest of the movie, but it was a great, great decision to show the audience pretty much exactly what we're in for, right? There, there are some other villains as well, Thanos' lieutenants. I think they're known as the Black Order or the Children of Thanos. And they look cool for a bit, but they are ultimately inconsequential, right? I think they were, I think they were mostly included because given the scope of this film and given what needed to get done over a period of time which was essentially two hours and 40 minutes, like I've mentioned, it essentially allowed the heroes to fight against some bad guys that were more notable than the faceless Zerglings, right? While Thanos is giving a break. And because there's so much to do, there's so much to accomplish for these characters, not just the movie to tell you, the audience, but there's just so much for these characters to actually see, say, and do, including Thanos, that if he was in every scene, he'd probably be in like 98% of the movie, right? And as it is, it already is kind of a Thanos origin story, with the rest of the Avengers just kind of getting in his way, which is kind of cool, honestly. We, there's even a flashback where we get some Thanos Thanos backstory, which is really cool. Because, I mean, all the backstory we've ever gotten is him like sitting in the chair in the first Avengers, and then we see him in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I guess, one and two, I guess, right? Very briefly. Or they, talk, they talk about him in Guardians of the Galaxy, and we see him via like a kind of teleconference call in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 with Ronan. Um, but... It was cool. It, 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 he was he was really threatening, and his his lieutenants not necessarily as much. But it was still they wisely put him in as much as they could have, and that made the movie all the more better, right? So okay, right now let's take a quick pause because I want to break down some of the other things in the movie, and I can't really do it from here without spoilers. So if you're gonna listen no further, let me just say this as a kind of recap, right? I said this already, that the movie is two hours and 40 minutes long, and yet, you know, it doesn't really feel like it. it. It's a testament to how much the movie moves things, gets every character involved, and if you've ever watched any of the Marvel movies, you'll definitely love this one. And it really, it just feels like a reward for those who have watched all the movie Disney, the Disney Marvel uh, movies over the last 10 years, right? And I think that's a pretty ringing endorsement for me, especially, even if I don't think it's the best Marvel movie, though it is up there, okay? So we'll talk tears afterwards, but for now, for now, let's talk some spoilers. No one else is going to deal with the fact that Cap just said language. I know. For gosh sake, watch your language. 
That's not going away anytime soon. The main thing I want to tackle, spoiler-wise, in this portion of the review is the ending, okay? Characters die in this movie. They die early, they die often, a lot of people die in general. They just don't hold back with all that stuff. And in my opinion, though, even though they do that, it just feels so cheap. Because if you're not... Okay, so if you're not familiar with the general motivation of Thanos, he's essentially gathering the Infinity Stones so that when combined, he can use them to balance the universe by wiping out half of everyone who lives in it because, you know, overpopulation, and he feels that that is the reason for war and famine and poverty and so on and so forth. So if there are half as many people in the universe, then everyone will be happy, right? Of course he's crazy, but... When he does wipe out half the universe, because that's how the movie ends, he snaps his fingers, and with all the Infinity Stones, and half the people in the universe disappear. So, of course, that will include some of our intrepid heroes, right? So, the ones who die are as follows. Black Panther, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Star-Lord, Groot, Drax, Mantis, Bucky Barnes, the Falcon, and the Scarlet Witch, right? The Vision dies right before he snaps his fingers, because, of course, the Vision has one of the Infinity Stones in his head, so Thanos crushes his head to get the Infinity Stone, and Loki and Heimdall die at the very beginning of the movie. I mentioned we kind of see Thanos right off the top to see him kind of get right down to business. He starts things off by killing Heimdall, then he beats the Hulk to a pulp, who, sorry, I guess he beats the Hulk to a pulp, and then... Heimdall uses the last of his energy to summon the Bifrost and send the Hulk to Earth, which starts the events of the movie on Earth. And then he kills Heimdall for doing that, and then he kills Loki by breaking his neck. So it seems that Loki is dead, right? It seems that Loki is dead. Heimdall is definitely dead. I mean, there's no real point to bring back bringing back Idris Elba, considering how famous he is, if he's just going to like suffer, serve in this minor role, right? And then, of course, Gamora dies during the events of the film as well. And my major problem with all the kind of disappearing deaths, uh, the ones I, I listed out before is that you know most of those characters coming back, right? Like, for example, we already got confirmation as a Black Panther 2, but even if we had not gotten confirmation, right, do you really think that a superhero who just got a solo movie a few months ago, a character who has tapped in to a cultural moment in a way not really seen before in superhero movies, but in general as well, and a, and, and a movie that domestically, so in North America, right, is the third highest grossing movie ever, ever behind... The Force Awakens and Titanic, ever, the third most, the third highest grossing movie domestically in North America is Black Panther. You think that character is getting killed off? He's not. He's not getting killed off because he's too popular. He's just not in getting killed off in his third on-screen appearance. Absolutely, unequivocally, no way in hell. He's coming back, and it, it has no emotional weight when he dies. You know, absolutely none. Similarly... Spider-Man, right? Marvel head honcho Kevin Feige has already said that Spider-Man Homecoming 2 or whatever the hell it'll be called. That movie is going to be the launching point for the next series of Marvel movies once the Thanos kind of arc wraps up with Avengers 4 next summer, right? So, of, of course he's going to be in the next series of movies, right? Obviously he's going to be there. Same with the Guardians. We know there's a Volume 3 coming that there's, considering how popular they're all, so of course they're mostly going to come back, right? It just lessens the impact by a whole hell of a lot. And it's just disappointing considering how good the movie is, you know? I mean, maybe I'm overstating things a little bit. It really bothered me considering they just try to make you, oh, man, Spider-Man is saying, oh, Tony, I'm, I'm so afraid. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Of course you're not going to. I mean, he died, but of course he's not going to stay dead. This is a movie. These are movies based on comic books where characters come back from the death every other week, right? You think they're not going to do that in, like, the one kind of movie where they have these magical stones that can bring people back from the dead or can reverse time or can like traverse space and like infinite like distances and stuff like that like come on obviously spider-man's not dead obviously the guardians are not dead obviously black panther is not dead right 
I guess, like I said, maybe I'm overstating it, right? Because I remember at the end of the movie, right, in theaters, uh, when Thanos snaps his fingers and then we see him kill everyone, they all kind of disintegrate. The movie ends with uh, Thanos kind of looking out onto a sunset, and I guess people assume that it would have been undone in this movie, and then it just ends, and people in the audience freaked out. Like, people were yelling, what? Come on! Oh my god! And I feel bad now for thinking this at the time, but man, I thought those people were dumb. Like, use your heads! Come on, like, I heard people make comments like, can you believe they killed Black Panther? Wow, how will they replace him? Come on, dude, please. Please tell me people aren't this dumb, but you know what? Maybe they are in general, because people in my experience are generally dumb and need things explained to them. And I'm not trying to say I'm some smarty pants over here, but I mean, like, I think it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, it's one thing to feel for characters that you like in the moment, but even five seconds after the movie ends, if you just think about it, if you just think about it for two seconds, right, you will understand that they are obviously coming back. I kind of have a theory for how I think Avengers 4 will, you know, go, I guess, in terms of how it'll happen. I do think there'll be a scene, because Hawkeye's not in this movie at all, so I kind of think there'll be a scene where, you know, Hawkeye's with his family, he's at home, and then, of course, Linda Cardellini, his super ultra-mega-hot wife, and his two kids, who we meet in uh, Age of Ultron, will see them kind of disintegrate before his eyes, and that'll be what gets him back into the fight, and, of course... One of the things they did in this movie is that you'll mention you'll notice that of all the characters I mentioned, the characters that survived are all the OG Avengers, right? So Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Black Widow, the Hulk. We assume Hawkeye. We don't know, but I, I assume Hawkeye also survived. And then they were a uh, War Machine, of course. And then they were accompanied by like two of the new superheroes, which are essentially Rocket Raccoon and Nebula, who I don't know if is really technically a part of the Avengers, but she was one of the characters that didn't die, right? Those are the characters that survived, and because they are the OG Avengers, I kind of have a theory that they will, in some way or shape or form, swap with the Avengers that died, or at least some of them, not all of them, and I mean the ones who I'm expecting to die in the next one are essentially Captain America and Iron Man, probably Hawkeye too, because who cares about Hawkeye, right? But I mean, they're already talking about having a Black Widow solo movie. I mean, she probably survives, but that that movie, I'm I'm a little less certain on Black Widow surviving at the end of the next one, mainly because... She has a long and checkered past, and the, uh, a Black Widow solo movie could be a, bl- a flashback as to how she became Black Widow, right? But who knows? We don't know yet, of course. The other part of that theory as well is they made a big deal about, you know, the Soul Stone is a, is a life for a life or a soul for a soul, and then they also talk about Cap- Captain America and the Vision specifically make these kind of comments like, we don't trade lives, Captain. So I think the whole trading lives, life for a life, soul for a soul, that's clearly a theme of this movie, and I think that will be a big part of Avengers 4, at least. The Black Order also got dispatched super easily, eh? I mean, I'm not sure what their names were outside of the super hot dark elf-looking woman whose name is Proxima Midnight, and I only know that because I looked it up because she's super hot. But like I said before, there are basically excuses to drive the plot forward with some villains that weren't Thanos, right? But also had no chance of upstaging Thanos as well. And, uh, you know, speaking of the Titan, he was awesome. I already generally spoke about how much I liked him and how much of a great villain he was in the non-spoiler part, but I think he was, in general, my favorite part of the movie. Honestly, like, the sequence with him and Gamora on Vormir, where Thanos retrieves the Soul Stone by killing that which he loves, which is, of course, Gamora, that was a surprisingly tender moment for the big bad villain, right? It was really cool to watch. It was really well done. The music was really good. And by the way, wasn't it really cool to see the Red Skull again? He ended up as a guardian of the Soul Stone, I guess stranded there and made to be immortal via a curse thanks to the Tesseract at the end of Captain America 1, the Captain America, the first Avenger, like, way back in 2011. 
And it was a pretty cool callback. I mean, I have always maintained that the Red Skull was alive, and I was always kind of hoping that he would come back at some point. This is a great way to make him come back. And that might be one of my favorite kind of little ads in this movie in general. It was not Hugo Weaving, but still pretty fun, right? And the last thing I want to tackle that's kind of spoilerific is the after credit scene, right? So there is no mid credit scene this time around, but there is a final after credit scene, which sees Nick Fury and Maria Hill, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., back in America. I guess not anymore. I, should, I shouldn't say that. They're not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore because S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist anymore. But we see them back in America right as the Infinity Stones wipe out half of the universe, right? And people start disintegrating around them. And of course, unfortunately, both Fury and Hill disintegrate along with everyone else. And I think it's funny that Fury disintegrated right before he he was allowed to drop a mother effer bomb. That is, uh, of course, a signature move for Samuel Jackson. But not before Nick can send a text message of some sort. I guess it was a text or something. It, like it looked like a beeper or something. But it still sends his message after he dies. It falls to the ground, says sent. And then we see a little logo it blinks out to the audience. Of course, for the audience's benefit. I'm sure a real beeper wouldn't have that on it, right? But we can identify it as the Captain Marvel logo, i.e. Carol Danvers. That will be Marvel's first solo female movie, and it's coming out in March of next year, right? And that, the movie itself has been said to take place in the 90s, actually, so it doesn't kind of interfere with what's going to happen in Avengers 4. Uh, but that's where Carol Danvers, Air Force pilot, she first gets her powers. And because all that stuff is so closely related to the Kree, who we met back in Guardians of the Galaxy 1... Because I think I believe from what I remember, um, Captain Marvel gets her powers from some kind of crashed alien aircraft, and which makes sense. She's an Air Force pilot. Maybe she pilots an aircraft or pilots some test subject, or I don't know. She gets powers some way. And of course, she's going to meet characters because it takes place before all these movies. She's going to meet characters that are dead, right? So we're going to get Ronan the Accuser, apparently, from the first Guardians movie. Agent Phil Coulson will make a return from the dead from that movie for that movie as well. And I know. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on TV, I watch it, and it's gotten a lot better in the latter season, so obviously Colson is not dead, present day-wise, but as far as the movies are concerned, none of the TV stuff is happening, right? It's kind of a one-way street from the movies to the TV. Um, so, I guess this will be a fun way to have a fan-favorite return with Clark Gregg's Phil Colson, right? That was always a fun part of the movies for me. He was always so earnest in the fact that he loved Captain America and that kind of thing. So I'm excited to see him again on the big screen, frankly. Clark Gregg is a great actor, so it will definitely be fun to have him back for Captain Marvel in March of next year. That's it for the review portion of Avengers Infinity War. So let's wrap up on this. Where would I put Avengers Infinity War in terms of the tier system, right? We had tier one, two, three, four. I think overall I would put it in tier two. The reason for that is just that the story is so simple, right? It's just literally a story of Thanos traveling the galaxy and collecting stones, right? So in that sense, it's not interesting enough because we know that's what he's doing. From the very beginning of the movie, we know he's just traveling from point A to point B to point C to get these to get these infinity stones, and then he does what he said he was going to do. So in that sense, the story is so simplistic, and it almost has to be because there are so many characters because if they made it any more complicated, it would probably collapse under its own weight of all these moving pieces and all these characters, right? So in that sense, it had to be simple, but because it's simple, I don't think I can make it as high as, you know, the interesting stories and aesthetics from Guardians of the Galaxy and Winter Soldier and Ragnarok and Black Panther, right? Because those movies have things that are so unique about them, whereas the only true unique thing about Infinity War is the fact that there are all these characters in one movie, and I I don't think that that by itself makes it a tier one movie. So that's where I would put it, tier two. Probably at the top of tier two, if that makes you guys feel better about not being at the top of the list, but that's where I kind of think it is. You know, I... I really enjoyed it, and I think most people will enjoy it. Like I said at the end of the spoiler-free review, I think this movie 
is a reward for the people who stuck with it. Because if you go see the movie, if you go see this movie without seeing the other ones, like if you go see this movie without seeing Thor Ragnarok, for example, the beginning will not make any sense to you. You're like, why are these characters in the place they will? They are. If you go see it without seeing Black Panther, you're going to say, where the heck is Wakanda? Who are all these people, right? So in that sense, there are a lot of callbacks. You know, if you go see the movie and you never saw the first Captain America, you'd be like, who the heck is this Red Skull? Like, why is he significant? Why is it just dramatically zooming on his face, right? So in that sense, it's a reward for the people who have seen it, but that doesn't stop it from being a fun movie for those who have not, right? So I think anyone who goes sees it will enjoy it. Of course, like I said, if you go in with a prior knowledge that the previous movies afford you, then you will enjoy it all that much more. Anyways, that's it for me from the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed the solo discussion on Avengers Infinity War. Coming out soon, I think there's, you know, we got, we got some summer movies coming up. I've always said that the first Marvel movie of the year, kind of around April or May, because I can't really count Black Panther because it came out in February, right? But I've always thought this is, especially since 2012 is the, the first Avengers movie, right? That this period marks the true beginning of the summer movie season because pretty much from here on out for every week there's like a big movie coming out that i really want to see there's mission impossible there's ant-man and the wasp there's han solo everything in between so we'll get all those movies in the podcast for your listening pleasure but for now this has been episode 21 of the showtime movie podcast thank you for listening good night hey, y'all, prepare yourself for the world of